Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, Adam and I are your hosts for this one. Jimmy's away for a few weeks, but we're joined by debutant Sam Whedon. We'll discuss the stalemate in Bristol, we've got a few listener questions throughout the episode, and we'll finish off by looking ahead to Sheffield United on Tuesday, and the visit of West Brom at home on Saturday. Enjoy! How are we boys, are we good? We all good, thank you very much. Good, thanks Jake. It's been a nice break. Yeah, it has, to be fair. Still doesn't feel like we're back properly. As I was saying to you two before, before we start recording, didn't really have opportunity to sit down and listen yesterday with obviously getting back from my holiday away but yeah before we crack on just a reminder as always that you can support from the finney um just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the finney and as always anything that's received is hugely appreciated jim will kick me if i don't say this so if you're listening on an apple device then it'd be appreciated if you could leave us a review in the apple podcast app as well sam welcome first time thank you very much it's a pleasure how are you? I'm very good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, mate, I'm good. Are you uh, are you rough or tired or anything like that after yesterday? More tired, to be fair. A few cancelled trains on my way back and stuff, but oh, in the end, nothing better than following North End, especially after you know 18 months away. Did you manage to get on, Adam? No, I wasn't. No, I had a busy week this last week, so I didn't manage to get there. No. Less less said about that, the better it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, boys, a first draw of the season. Um, it on the face of it, and looking at the at the stats, it, it seems like a fair result. Sam, I know you were there. Is that is that the case you felt coming away? Or yeah, basically, it was a funny one. We started quite well in the first half, and then I think Frankie McAvoy said it in his post match interview. We really did towards the middle of the half, and then towards the end, we really kicked on. I mean, surely at the bar, he's had another one flash wide. Johnson's had a chance where he could shoot, and it was really one of them games where I felt. If we were ever going to score, it was coming up to half-time and it probably arrived at the wrong time. And in the second half, it all turned a bit scrappy, really. And I'll mention more later, a few maybe questionable substitutions sort of killed us off with 20 minutes to go, really. And I'd say a draw was a fair result, but if any team was ever going to score, I'd probably say it was us, to be fair. Yeah, i got a point about the subs and the bench, to be fair, uh, for a bit later on. But yeah, you mentioned, obviously, that spell there towards half-time. Obviously, I was listening, so didn't really get the full effect of it. But were, were we that much on top? Was it one of them where you get to half time and you're thinking it's come at the wrong time there, and we probably should have put one of those chances away? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It was one of them. The wing backs, obviously, Seth and uh, Josh Early, both had quite good games in my opinion. They really pressed up, and Bristol City kept trying to clear the lines. And it's the first time in the game, and arguably the only time where I'd argue our midfield three really were able to sort of gauge a lot of the ball they were struggling to get out and uh, really Whiteman, Johnson and uh, Ledson are really starting to dictate it and I felt like obviously if we're ever going to score that was the time it was coming really we were on top creating some very reasonable opportunities actually and it's one of them you know typical North End really we just lack that cutting edge that final bit of quality in the final third which 
I know I've been listening to the podcast for the last few years and you've been saying it for season after season, really, and nothing really changed yesterday. Same old story, isn't it, unfortunately? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Adam, did you manage to listen in or...? Yeah, I listened in, yeah. It sounded like Earl had a really good game, actually. I know you mentioned yeah. in them. It sounded as though it sounded as though a lot of the you know, cinema highlights, a lot of the um a bit of space we were getting was was from Earl on the left hand side, who I'm buzzing for him really that he's managing to keep his place and uh, he seems to be getting better and better, which is good. Um I don't really know how I feel about the result though, because I mean at the end of yesterday I was happy with the draw, but Bristol City haven't won at home since what, January. Um, since since the beat us. Yeah, and and a lot of their chances, well, you know, like long long distance shots and stuff, and it looks as though we were trying to carve them out a little bit. And Maguire was getting in behind. Reese had that chance, did he? Where he should have done better. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how I feel about it. It's, it's kind of kind of happy we've got a point on the board, but I think it's probably a game we could have been looking to win. Mm. Yeah, like I said, obviously I wasn't there. I didn't really have much of an opportunity to listen, but I've kind of sort of went into yesterday evening feeling the same, not really sure whether to be disappointed that we didn't sort of turn the screw and, and take a chance and, and win the game and equally whether or not to be actually, do you know what, quite pleased it's a point on the road. Keeps keeps the uh the unbeaten run going. And you head into a tough week, which obviously we'll come on to in a bit, but I suppose, yeah. I think like we said, look at looking at the numbers it it was a very even game. Um, I think it was like forty nine fifty one in terms of possession. Um, like shots were very similar. I think we both had ten, and I think we had two on target, and they had like three or something. So even like down to passes, looking at it here, we made three hundred sixty nine passes. They made three hundred sixty three. Accuracy sixty eight percent to seventy percent. Fouls eight and nine. It is it's near enough. Even Stevens in it. So looking at that, obviously wasn't at the game, but looking at that, I think he, you know, it'd be hard pushed to say anything but a draw was a fair result. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Right. That pretty much sums it up, Jake. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not much more to say, is there? To be honest, well, there is. Someone on Twitter asked about the, looking at the bench and and whether or not three midfielders on the bench was a bit much. I think. On the one hand, I will say I think Frankie was perhaps a bit limited in terms of player availability. Um, obviously, Chet Evans wasn't in the squad. Scott Sinclair wasn't in the squad. Don't know if they've just been left out or if that's injuries. Sin- I don't know. Sinclair was know. illness. Illness was quoted. Yeah, I heard that. So, I mean, fingers crossed that's not another COVID case. Um, however, I would rather be getting all of them out of the way early on in the season while... You know, things are still getting up and running and teams are still sort of finding their feet as opposed to it coming later on in the season when... It, it's going to affect every team over the course yeah. of the season. And there's not a lot you can do. You can follow the protocols, but at the end of the day, it's it's going to happen, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, where, where do you boys stand on that? Did you look at that and think, actually, three midfielders on the bench is a bit much? Or I was surprised when I saw it, to be honest with you. But then again, you never know. If you haven't got the players available, you can only play what's in front of you. But then, obviously... Usually on a bench like that, in a game like that, it would be crying out for someone like Tom Barkhouse or Scott Sinclair to really stretch it because as the game went on, it got more scrappy and sort of became not end-to-end in terms of quality. It's just the game got so stretched, you're looking for really someone to sort of use that space in behind and pick it up in the half space like maybe Scott Sinclair would and we didn't have the option. But 
the actual substitutions he did make, not to jump shit, but when he took Daniel Johnson off and brought on Ali McCann, who I'm very excited to see and I've heard he's a well-rounded midfielder, but it seems that he's been more brought in to replace the sort of Ben Pearson, who is obviously not quite replaced since he lost in January and have that bit of bite and quality on the ball in midfield. And then he came in and seemed to play the number 10 role, which surprised me a little bit because I was sort of expecting him to play a bit deeper. So that's why I was surprised when he took Reese off because I thought that would be perfect to get him behind. And I think when he did make the subs, he kind of he just petered out, didn't it, the game really? And we were under pressure for a little bit and then, and then it was kind of right, well, we're going to settle for it now. I do think part of it was just trying to get new signings on, which is, yeah. you know, to get him some minutes because you're going to have to do it at some point, aren't you? So you may as well get him on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. It was a bit odd. But I think with the, with the, the number of midfielders, I think like you say, Jake, I don't think really had much chance, much mm. choice really. The the timing of them as well was something that stuck out to me. Obviously, they made two on 73 minutes with Ledo and uh, Emil Rees coming off and uh, Ali McCann and Alan Brown coming on and then five minutes later, DJ comes off and Josh Murphy comes on. Uh, it sounded to me anyway like Emil Rees was probably having the better of the better game out of him and Shawnee, especially as the game went on. And I was surprised to hear that he was the one coming off. Uh, I thought, to be fair, Shawnee had quite a good game. He was working hard. He was running into the space, but as really been what we've seen with Shawnee, he often seems to like that cutting edge in front of the goal because ever since his first season, you know, where he, was it 10 goals or something like yeah. that, despite the injury, he's never, I don't think he's hit more than five, six or seven since then, has he? And he obviously, he had that spell at the end of the first half where he flashed one wide. Perhaps Jordan Story could have gambled a bit more at the back post and he had the one where he hit the crossbar which I actually thought he did quite well to get an effort that close because he went quite far wide with it but Emil Reese, I was surprised when he went off he looked lively and right before he'd gone off he sort of he span clean through and he seemed to take a poor touch and the defender got back in but going on that second half Reese looked the only one who was ever going to sort of make the net ripple which did surprise me to be fair I love the bit for his I think it was a build up for his chance where he took it in and then sprayed it off wide to Earl um, I think it was the build up to his chance and he's, he just looks he looks like he's taking it in a lot better now and getting a bit more confidence. Um, the chance they said he slipped, but I don't know. I think he just I think he just rushed it a little bit and, and skied it. He probably should have done better with that. But um, yeah, did you see Ledson though? Ledson wasn't happy when he got took off. Look at the highlights. He was. I thought Ledson out of the two of him and Whiteman was having the better game. To be fair, Whiteman. I mean, he often tries the ambitious passes, doesn't he, both of them? But I thought Ledson was, from what it seemed anyway, was having a higher success rate. And Whiteman a couple of times got caught out. So if he was to take one of them off, I was genuinely quite surprised it was Ledson. Because he was just um, starting to dictate it up to that point. He was starting to get on the ball. The only and, thing I thought at the time was that he's he's only one booking away from uh, a ban, isn't he? A one-match ban, so... Yeah, and you obviously don't want to lose him for the upcoming fixtures, do you? Yeah, and there's, a, there's another international break in that, what? Three weeks, I think. So, and is that the amnesty? I'm not sure. I think that might be the amnesty for the first lot. I think it is. Yeah, could be wrong. But yeah, probably, won't, probably won't surprise listeners that I've not done my research on that one. It certainly won't surprise Jimmy anyway. <laughs> Whiteman's on four now as well. Yeah. Good job. We've got a number of midfielders, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah it's, you know, the, the the bands are going to come, aren't they? At various points through the season for numerous different players, and it's opportunities when when obviously when they, they do find themselves suspended it's opportunities like that that you look at and think you know that's Alan Brown's chance there to 
make a make a claim for a starting berth because I think you know we've said it and a number of other fans have said it that just can't see where at the minute anyway he he gets in. Johnson's playing unreal, so that number ten role seems lots off at the moment. Yeah, and then obviously I think McCann came on like you said, Salmon played in the ten yesterday, which doesn't seem like it's going to be his long term position. But I'd be very surprised if it was. But I mean, he didn't then, certainly look out of place there. But from what we've seen, Potts and what's been said, well, haven't you? Yeah. Where does Potts get in? I mean, unless he was he was the striker on the bench well, yesterday. <laughs> wouldn't have been surprised given he's yeah. played there recently, hasn't he? Yeah. But Murphy yeah. did play for um, when Murphy came on. He played as the furthest forward striker. Sean he was sort of playing off him, but I always imagine Josh Murphy to be sort of the second striker playing behind like a, a Reese or a Chad Evans, really. So it seemed to me I- like maybe he's had his hand dealt to him. Maybe Frankie McAvoy in terms of what he's had available to him, but a few players came on in positions I wouldn't expect to see them long to. How did he look when he came on, Josh Murphy? Honestly, I think he had about two touches of the ball. We oh, really sort of got away gauge. from us. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to stick up front. We were hitting it long when you're playing against Rob Atkinson, Tom Callas, and Sean Maguire and Josh Murphy. They're never the strikers to go in with headers, are they? So I think he got about two touches. And, yeah, so Carter judge him, to be fair. Fair enough, fair enough. I think... This run of games that we've got coming up, obviously, it's Saturday, Tuesday. Saturday, Tuesday is going to be the time for rotation. You know, you probably see the likes of McCann coming in, maybe for Whiteman, maybe for Ledson. Um, Murphy coming in, you know, maybe Sean, he's dropped to the bench. I don't, still don't see how you can drop a meal at the minute. Um, I know, obviously, he didn't score yesterday, but he must still just be buzzing. Like full of confidence, so you, you could tell by the way he was playing, he had confidence, he was taking dribbles on rhythm to take players on, it didn't always come off. But you know, when you're having the confidence to take players on and try things, no one day it's going to come off, isn't it? And while he's playing with that confidence, you really need to harness it because we saw last season when he had that dip in confidence, he looks a shadow of the player he is so yeah. far this season. He, he stood out to me, I know it's probably an easy thing to, to chuck out and say after the fact, but second half against Morkham, um. Obviously, he got his two goals and just little things about his play, like the little, like you've just said, Sam, the one-twos, the little touches, the the, the touches inside, the the give-and-goes and all that sort of stuff. I know he, he he had a part to play in the build-up to Sepp's goal and obviously won, won the ball from a defender and played it inside. And It's just little things like that that you think, Do you know what, actually, this is a lad full of confidence at the minute. Yeah, and if you want a striker, I feel to score maybe 15, 20 goals, he's got to be playing in 35, 40 matches, hasn't he? You really need to, as much as obviously you've got a lot of fixtures coming up, and for quite a young player, he's not really had a run of games at this level before. He's going to maybe get tired, he's going to maybe get fatigued, but you want to keep him involved as much as possible. You know, keep the confidence building, keep the form growing, and eventually, hopefully, we'll be repaid by the goals, which so far he's done this season. Yeah, when we had. Um... I think Ollie and I did a did a podcast with the Randers FC assistant manager after we signed Emil. Yeah, I remember one, one thing that stood out to me with that was he was saying like Emil is rarely injured, rarely injured. Like he's he's got obviously we know he's got a good engine; he can keep going. And yeah. you know, don't want to give it the kiss of death by saying this, but <laughs> touch wood. You know, he can get through the majority of this season, you know, maybe being rested for the odd cup game here and there, especially if we do offer Wickham a contract. You know, you'd, you'd imagine that I'd maybe, maybe give Emil the chance to, to sit out, 
couple of Carabao Cup games, obviously, if we beat Cheltenham, then we're through to the next round. So it, it's one of them that, like you say, Sam, you know, if he can stay fit and he's he's got a track record of staying fit, then if you're looking at someone to be hitting sort of 12-plus goals, you need them to be to be featuring in 30-plus games. Yeah, it's what Hugo was doing towards the end of his time with us, yeah. wasn't it? There was no really rotation then. I mean, he played that towards the all of that Grayson's last year and got back in favour of Alex Neal and played up to January when he was sold. And you could see the player develop over the time he's in the team and you need to be playing games to develop, especially when you know, you're playing at championship level. This this question focuses on obviously we've we've spent the last ten minutes or so talking about the the number of midfielders that we've got, but obviously with McCann coming in and the number of options that Frankie's got, do you think that's going to make him susceptible to tinkering? Um, it it did feel from from at least a listening brief that a couple of the changes were maybe unnecessary yesterday in the midfield. Um, so do you think that leaves maybe Frankie open to to being sort of guilty of tinkering? I think I think the issue for me is that the need often sometimes to get Brown in the team. And I think it can kind of disrupt things a little bit. Um so, you know, he is supposed to be the club captain, isn't he? So, you know, there's gonna be a desire to get him in the team somehow, which can impact the midfield, but where does he go? And I think you, you probably need to start building up some partnerships, well, a partnership for the bottom, the deeper two, and then keep DJ up top. So, but then where does, you know, is it McCann and Whiteman, Bledson, McCann? You know, I don't know. He probably has got too many options and it's probably probably going to force him sometimes. I think as well, you know, we we don't need to look at, maybe like we did last season where it was a condensed season, we don't need to look at like fixture congestion and be be sort of making a point for lots of rotation because it's not going to happen. Well, you know, we're back to normal this season. It, it, there are going to be the busy periods through Christmas and obviously if we keep going in the cup, it's going to get busier. But there shouldn't be too much of a need for too much rotation and having to sort of force people, certain people into the side, for want of a better phrase. At the end of the day, though, it's about players taking the chances when it's given to them. I mean, obviously, Alan Brown had the COVID diagnosis and probably wasn't on his best form for the first three games of the season. At the end of the day, that midfield three of Johnson, Hire, and Whiteman and Ledson sitting have taken a claim, played, played fantastically against Peterborough, played fantastically against Swansea, and did the job yesterday. So, at the end of the day, it's up to the other players on the outside to take that chance. You want that competition in the squad, you want, you know, a lot of quality players playing well and giving the manager decisions like might not be ideal having you know say you don't play white money for a few games it's not ideal you know you've paid a large sum of money for a player who's potentially not going to be featuring but at the end of the day if you've got three that are doing the job it's up to them to keep going it's up to the it's up to the substitutes and the people maybe not getting in the match day squad to give the manager a headache do you think there's going to be an element of pressure for him to get McCann in the team though be it from the fans or or whatever it's, it's a big outlay isn't it for what is perceived to be a very bright footballer with a lot of potential and you your players that I mean we're not really flush with them like we have been in the past but your players like that that come in with that potential need game time to realize it you know they're not going to they're not going to realize the potential and become worth more than what you paid for them or worth it or sorry continue to hold their value if they're just 
bit part players and playing 20 minutes off the bench here and there or starting in game 50, 60 minutes. You know, it's, it's on Bayless then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In terms of arriving with a big price tag though, he's, he did, didn't he? Well, it's all fans go on about then, isn't it? And if they're not playing, it's why they're not playing. We've paid all yeah. this money. Even though in the grand scheme of things, 1.2 is not um, a massive amount of money today's football, but it is for us because, you know, considering on what we actually do spend. And I think there's, I mean, McCann looks a real deal to me, but it's just, you know, do you, do you just put him in now and think, well, you know, he's going to have to learn at some point or do you stay faithful to Ledson and Whiteman, um, like you say, Sam, and just naturally let him come in the team? I think yeah, it's a tricky one. I do like Ledson um, and I do think he's done well since he's come in toward the end of that COVID season and sort of like nailed down a place, but there's elements of his game that I think he's still a bit rash at times. Um, I think pre-season there was two, maybe three times where I thought, that's a league game, you, you're probably lucky to be staying on the pitch. And, you know, if someone like Ali McCann can come in and and nail down a spot like that, then whilst I would feel for Leto a little bit, there's I, th- I do think there's still areas for him to work on and improve, and, and that in my opinion, is what's holding him back a little bit from being sort of a nailed-on starter. Yeah, I agree, to be fair. It's, it's obviously, I think the one at, the one I saw at pre-season was Bolton when we played him at the LSA ground. He slid in sort of quite forcefully in a game that did get a bit scrappy. And you just think, there was one at Hull as well in the first game of the season where I thought he did very well to avoid a potential dismissal for there. And especially in the Championship now, you can't afford to go down to 10 men. There's that many... You look at the games we've got coming up, you've got West Brom, Stoke, QPR and uh, Sheffield United who've all got real sort of quality players about them and you really yeah. can't afford to go down to 10 men in them games and you've got to be relied on at the end of the day and if you can't do that and you've got someone else who can come in, you know, have the same qualities and also improve on the weaknesses, it really is a no-brainer. Adam, anything to add on that? No, mate. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, boys, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, then we can we can wrap part one up there and uh, I'll go and get brewing. See you in part two. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we'll talk a little bit about the 23-man squad that was named and then we'll finish off by previewing the Sheffield United game on Tuesday and obviously the, the visit of the league leaders or the current league leaders, West Brom, on Saturday. Boys, were you surprised or were you as surprised as me when you saw that it was a 23-man squad that was announced? Yeah, um, I think we were expecting it to be 24 plus possibly Wickham. Um, but the fact it's 23 and the fact that we've got Thomas hasn't even been named in it, which just makes me think, well, I understand he was cheap. I can imagine he was cheap, but what's the point in signing him? It just seems um, completely pointless, doesn't it, at this point? Yeah. And then you've got Hunt, who I can't, who hasn't had much of a pre-season, which you understand. Harrop, who I think, well, he's injured, isn't he, Harrop? But I um, can't imagine him being around much longer. 
And then was it Rafferty? Rafferty missed out as well. Rafferty wasn't he? and Ripley. That was to be expected, I think, weren't they? Yeah. I think when, when Raf's getting hooked on 60 minutes at, away at Markham, I think that, that generally is, is a bit of an indicator, or at least it, it was to me, that he's not long for Preston North End Football Club. Yeah, I think um, I think we covered it a couple of well, a couple of pods ago, maybe that he's we've got a lot, lot of options on the right. So Rafferty, kind of uh, his contract's up in the summer, isn't it? So yeah, it yeah it was it was a strange one. Um, I think, like you said, probably the vast majority of people were expecting twenty four, um, but the the one that I just can't get my head around, like you said, Adam, is Jamie Thomas. Like, yeah, he's probably cheap, but I don't, I don't understand the point of it. Well, what must we be thinking? I mean, I don't know whether we could have signed him and loaned him out and yeah. maybe got him some games that way because at the minute, I mean, I can't see him getting in that midfield anyway. We've already touched on how many midfielders we've got. So he's not, he's not even started any of the cup games. No, he's been on what? 10 minutes, 20 minutes? Yeah. Um, the Mansfield game. And his best option is going to be reserve football. So yeah, it's just a really strange one. I don't, I just, I just don't, I know we've took a punt on him, but you know how is he going to get? How is he going to improve if he doesn't get games? Um, it seems so, almost cruel to have taken him away from obviously playing regular football where he was climbing the ladder to just have him. Well, there was thought, the wasn't there, that I think Oldham it might have been in League One where we're looking at him just before we took him on trial, and he was going to go on trial there, yeah, and then we yeah, called him on the Friday before the after game. It just seems a bit like. Why have we taken a lad who's going to go on loan to a League One side, taken him, brought him on trial, given him a contract, and then just not included him in the squad? Whether they think, do you know what, half a season of Central League football and training with a Championship squad, maybe he's ready for January. I can't see it personally. I think he's more likely to probably go out on loan in January, or unless, unless they are thinking more about the Central League and and you know they've. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, they'll have paid to join the Central League. It'll be costing them money, and they won't want to be running, well, your Championship players into the ground when you don't need to. So, you know, maybe they are thinking, Do you know what, it's a cheap punt. Give him, give him a season playing Central League, and then maybe make a bit of money on on it on him in the summer. Do you lot think we'd have signed him had we not lost Dizzy Brown to injury? Uh no. No, neither. That's what I, that was my thought. Whether they thought he's a cheap punt to maybe get him some games until January, until potentially as he can be included in the next squad if he's getting back in. I can't see March or April this season. To be honest, I'd be gobsmacked if he is. No, I know. think the only reason we would is if we shift a lot of deadwood in January and we only have twenty three, twenty four players to name in a squad. But doesn't look to be the well, case. I think I don't think there's too much to say about that. I think we have to shift some players in January. I think you know even with the 23-man squad that we've got you know there's the the lads that have been left out of it but even on top of that I think there's probably two or three three or four that you can probably look at and go yeah won't, won't really miss them no, I agree I think if we didn't manage to sign anyone the two I'd probably put in there would be Hunt and uh, Thomas I think the rest are surplus to requirements I think yeah I think Hunt I would imagine he's been left out like you said Adam because Obviously, he's not really had much of a pre-season. I think he's had a few personal issues going on. Whatever they are, I don't know. But obviously, wish him all the best and hope that the worst of whatever it was is behind him and, and he can focus on you know 
pushing to get into the squad in January, um, or you know he might see his future away from Deepdale in January, and you know half season out on loan and looking to get himself a move tied up for for the summer and for next season because you can't imagine can't imagine him being here next season. Well, that's the thing. I do wonder whether they are looking at two free transfers, and the other option is another centre back, and that's probably why Hunts isn't in there. Um, because we touched on it, didn't we, before the the, uh, the transfer window that we felt as though we might need another centre-back. I don't know what free transfers are out there or whether any of them are in our... Uh, um, any of them would be good enough, but I think it might be that they are looking at two. I'd be surprised if we signed two. I think, obviously, one of them one of them's Wickham, isn't it? That, for me, I think that's looking nailed on. You don't keep a player around this long if you're not sort of leaning towards signing him. Whether that's done in time for the Cheltenham game and he gets a run out in the Cheltenham game, don't know. Don't know what the Central League fixtures are. Haven't got them to hand. So just have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting one. Very interesting one. Uh, and I think, you know, January and summer, again, they're going to be big windows for us. Um, there's going to be across the two windows I would imagine there's going to be a lot of churn and it's an it's an opportunity to do what the last few windows of it's felt like we haven't done and, and improve the squad and improve the overall quality because that's what a transfer window is for is to improve your squad 100% yeah I think that covers that to be honest I don't think there's really much more to say obviously we had Mark Lawrenson on with you and I Adam and, and Ollie uh, from Deepdale Digest for the post window pod which was very fun so if there's anything that you're listening and you think we've not touched on that we've not touched on this then I'd, I'd recommend going and giving that one a listen because we touched on quite a bit including obviously Josh Murphy joining and Ali McCann joining on deadline day but as for the rest of this one boys we've got Sheffield United away on Tuesday night are either of you going? I am. You, uh, you've actually paid the 33 quid. Well, luckily I fall into the 19 to 21 and students, I'll get it for 21. So oh, can... all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fortunately. I usually do, it, usually do it every time, Sheffield United, but yeah, I'm not, not those prices. And I achieved tonight as well. It's a bit of a faff as well, isn't it, for some people getting down. I'm not expecting that many to follow us compared to what it would usually be, say, if it was a Saturday at three o'clock. Yeah, I don't don't think I'm going to be there. I think I've missed the window to to go with work, so I'll probably just end up watching it on TV. Which do you know what? It's not the end of the world. No, not at all. <clears throat> but again, Jimmy will be listening to this and probably shaking his head and going, "That's not a fucking surprise, Jake." <laughs> yeah, they've obviously they've not had a great start to the season. Put six past posh. Let me try that again. They put six past posh at the weekend, and I thought anyway that they had quite a good end to the window in terms of the loan signings that they made obviously Ben Davis we know everything there is to know about Ben um, Connor Hurihan, Morgan Gibbs-White and Robin Olsen all joined on loan I'm not gonna lie Connor Hurihan to Sheffield United felt like the most Sheffield United transfer going like he feels like a player that should have already been playing for them if that makes sense I know exactly what you mean yeah yeah, I think I think they were all good signings, weren't they? Loans, though, I think the fans will probably be a little bit worried about, and the manager as well, given his comments before the end of the window that he was promised a number of signings. Um, yeah, he was quite scathing of the board, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, 
I think I think Gibbs White's a really good player. Yeah. Um and been there and done it. And obviously Davis, who I don't think he's had the best start, has he, Davis? And he's played two and I think he's been slagged off in both the games pretty much. So I think he was missing at the weekend because he had an injury. So I don't know how serious that is, but um I'd like to say it'd be nice to see him again, but if he has a good game then yeah. Well, he might might not even be in the uh in the squad if he's yeah, still, he might not make it. Mark. Are they still playing with a back four under Yukanovich, do we know? I think they were, yeah. I think what it sounded like from what I've listened to and I read a bit on their forums, they're trying to sign players who fit the formation he wants to play, and obviously he's had success with Watford and Fulham and taking them up that way. So I'm yeah. pretty sure at that level he's gonna stick with his ways, isn't he, and try and make it work. I mean, he's not gonna let he's an experienced manager and he's not gonna let five poor results sort of make him scrap all his plans and obviously he stuck with it the weekend and it worked wonders. Yeah. Yeah, just looking here, they had obviously Reese Norrington, Davis, uh, Robinson, Egan, and Baldock in the back four. Where's Fodderingham in that? Yeah, League One, Wes. <laughs> League One. <laughs> that, I love that. That talk. is one of my all-time favourite footballing memories ever. Oh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? So, so that funny. post-match interview was absolutely <laughs> superb. God, yeah. could you imagine him at North End? Well, it was him and Wesley in the dugouts, wasn't it? It was two complete yeah. characters. I think Wesley looked like the same one that day, which is surprising, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, hey. Simon Serry is the only one to ever defend him, I think. Isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah good episode of that, yeah. to be fair. No, I loved it, man. Um, yeah, then they've got the, the young lad that's come through the the academy, I think Ilim. Die. Die, he's called. Um, he's gone too yesterday, didn't he? yeah. He's only, what, 20, 21, I think, French lad, and by all accounts seems seems like a very good player. Signed a new contract with him recently, I think, as well. So, and then He was on loan at Hyde last season, so just makes you think, you know, some of these loan players we do manage to get out, even though they're not the best clubs, if you get an actual game time, it can have a real positive impact. Yeah. Uh, well, even Ben Davis, it was, I know he was only on loan at Fleetwood, but he had a few loan spells towards that level and was... Seen as surplus to requirements by one manager, another one takes a liking to him, and now look at him, and he was yeah, signed by flying. Liverpool at the end of the day. Yeah, I know. Um, George messaged from the Walsall game and said that Adam O'Reilly looked quite bright, you know, and that's another example of a player that, to some, perhaps has had questionable loans in terms of the level, um, but you know, just getting game time, getting confidence, playing regularly. Can can have a real big impact on a player and, and their development. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough one. You know, just been relegated from from the Prem. Um, whilst they've not had a good start, I think it it's one of them in it. Like, do you really want to be going and playing a team after they've just put six past another team or it's the worst time to play a minute and if you look through yeah. the squad and what they could even boast on the bench it's quite frightening isn't it Billy Sharp obviously done it at this level uh, Oli McBurney he's yeah. another one signed for a lot Brewster. of money done it at this level Brewster did well at Swansea when he was on loan at this level cost him 20 odd million it's scary really has he scored a goal for him yet? no yeah, he's, he's not you know, he? I think he's, yeah, he scored one in the, one of the early games this season Ah, that was that was his first, it was his first goal for him. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be an easy game, is it? No, definitely no, not. not. So. 
Definitely not. Um, what are your predictions for it? Uh, I'd say the optimistic side of me says, oh, can we nick one? But I think we, one positive, actually, I didn't mention in part one was yesterday, I thought a very physical team, Bristol City, a very experienced front line, and we defended very well, and we're going to have to hit them levels again. I think if we, and it's a big if, when the, like we just said, they're boasting that much money and that much of a talented forward line. If we keep a clean sheet, I'm no doubt that we could nick something, but I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say I think we'll get a point, 1-1. One, 3-1 one. One defeat, I think. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> bring, bring us back down with a bang. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not confident, but I'm I'm gonna go with you, Sam. I think we'll we'll nick a draw, um, either nil nil or one one. I can't see there being many goals in it, even though they have just scored six. But you know, we could have scored a two. number past Peterborough, couldn't we? We just didn't have the finishing on yeah. the day. Um, but you know, defensively, perhaps they are there to be got at. They've not had a good start. You know, West Brom put four past them. Huddersfield put two past them, and they couldn't hit a bloody barn door against us. Yeah, get a goal early and the crowd get on the back and you just relegate. Yeah, exactly. West Brom then, boys. League leaders. Rampant league leaders, I would say. Even though they did draw at the weekend. Probably one of the toughest of the season, would you say? 100%. If it was away, away, yeah. Yeah. Um, It'd be the toughest, I'd say. But what, do you think coming to a rocking, packed Deepdale is going to give them something to think about? I won't say yep. packed, we're not sure about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't, don't know if that sarcasm was quite evident there or not. Yeah, it's it's five ex-North End players returning with uh, obviously Robbo, Hugh Gill, uh, Sam Johnston, Adam Reach and Jason Malumby all making a return to Deepdale. Yeah, it's going to be uh, emotional to see Robinson and Hugh Gill linking up again. Yeah. That's Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a sick that. Tough watch, especially Callum. I love, I absolutely love that boy. Oh, I do. I feel like if 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 I get Robbo on the podcast, I'd be like what Ollie was like when Jordan Hugill came on. I'd just be absolutely in him. Yeah, he's a great but, character, isn't he? He's just I, all like, always. Just hope, if Callum face. does come on the podcast, I just hope he doesn't fart all the way through it like Jordan did. <laughs> leaving that in, Jay. Um, <laughs> you are you leaving that in? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, to be honest, I'm surprised more people hadn't picked up on it. Anyway, <laughs> you know, you look at West Brom's, not just their starting eleven, but their squad, and it's very much just strength. Like You don't look at any point, any part of their, their eleven or their squad and go, weak area. It's the multiple strengths they've got, though. They're very good with the ball. They've got a lot of technically good players like Robinson, Dean Garner, Alex Moat, but also, obviously, Ishmael. One thing that is Barnsley side could be categorised last season is extremely physical you see like a fallen obviously very good footballing team a lot of technically gifted players but maybe they struggle with the more physical side of things whereas West Brom you think they're very capable of playing both ways and I think that's why personally I'll stick it out there that I think they'll win the league quite comfortably and I think they'll be a tougher test than Sheffield United will be I think we'll try and exploit story a bit um, because he had another header in yesterday which is a bit he didn't really deal with too well um, and I think they'll probably try and exploit him a bit because Hughes and Bauer are pretty good in the air. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, but you, you never know at home because if we play like we did against, um, well, Peterborough, um, sorry, Swansea especially, 
I think, you know, fans get up and stuff like that, you never know. Um, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic than I am about the game midweek, weirdly. Um, I think we might get some... Well, I feel I great to mean. disagree on that one. <laughs> 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 I do know what you mean. It's it's the kind of game, in it, that in the past we've, we've you know, we've gotten ourselves up for and nicked a result. Maybe not nicked a result. Maybe that's a bit harsh. You know, there's been games in the past where we've been thoroughly deserving of a result. The one that springs yeah. to mind was Sheffield Wednesday in the year we got we'd been promoted when they were thinking of the form team absolutely yeah. on fire and we beat them one 0 didn't we? You know, leads leads away on Boxing Day the other year. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, know, I know it finished one one, but it was a game that I think if we hadn't have got at least a draw, you know, we'd have been kicking ourselves. We should have won it. We played West very well against Newcastle that time, even though they beat us. We were yeah. dominant that day. West Brom at home with the dodgy last minute penalty. You know, another game that we, we deserve something from. Um, so, yeah, we can do it. I'm just not very confident, I think, with the likes of the returning players. Um, I don't think Callum's played against us all too often. I think there was obviously that one where he got Darnell sent off at the Hawthorns. And I, th- I can't remember many others since he's left. That was it, I think, yeah. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not playing any of this. And and he was he was absolutely brilliant that night. So, you know, you can imagine that he'll he'll be bringing his A game, so to speak. Um, it, it's going to be a tough one. And I think coming out of this week, I'd maybe sounds a little bit defeatist, but I'd be, I'd be happy with one point from two games, to be honest. Which yeah. that that going back to the start, that does make me feel that you know what, maybe yesterday was a game that we should have got more than a draw from. Well, even our fixtures after this week are tricky, isn't it? So you'd be looking at that thinking we'd want to get easy, does it? No. Um, yeah, we've got obviously West Brom on the Saturday. Chuck them in the cup at home, which is a bit of a gimme really, isn't it? And then you've got Birmingham away, Stoke at home, QPR away. It's three tough games. Mm. Now, Birmingham are flying, Stoke are flying, QPR are flying. <laughs> They also say it's the old, <laughs> it's the old thing in it that tends to look like it should look the league after about ten games. So yeah. these games are going to be really important to see where we actually sit because these are real tests for us. It'd be good to see. Um, well, it it'd be um, be interesting to see what everyone's feelings are about the whole situation, the whole summer, the manager. Head coach, as Jimmy will say, yeah. um, after yeah. after these next five games, because um, it's going to be make or break in it. Yeah, yeah, it gives a chance to judge the signings as well. Are they coping the championship really? Because they're not going to get you know a bigger test than what they're going to get in the next five games. Yeah, I think 10, 10 to fifteen games is is generally a good indicator, isn't it? And what, something I was thinking about yesterday, I had a little bit of a chat with Ollie, and he, where where do you stand on? Looking back in terms of a manager's record, do you, do you look back to the start of this season and, and it finishes and starts there, or do you look back at his time in charge last season, even though it was under completely different circumstances? Like, because I think, if we're being honest, like seven points from six games when you look at the teams that we played, it's not great. It's quite poor, actually. To be fair, yeah. All the teams that beat us early on are all down there. I think Redden are exactly. struggling a bit. Hull are struggling a bit. Well, Redden Red a third bottom. Um, Hull a yeah. fifth bottom. Well, there you go then, yeah. 
So, Obviously, we beat Peterborough for second bottom, yeah. um, but we, we made that difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. Do you think it's maybe false to look to look back at last season, given that the vast majority of the games were all dead rubbers? Because they were. Let's be honest. You know, the teams that were up up there in the playoffs or in the automatics already knew that they were finishing there, had nothing to play for. They did almost near enough. If they hadn't at the time we played them, then within a game or two of playing us, they'd almost guaranteed their sort of positions in, in the top six. So, I think cre- go on. So I think credit where credit's due for Frankie is obviously ours. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one can take it away from him. I mean, I think... You, you, at the end of were, the day, you can only play what's in front of you and to go out and get the results is, you know... Yeah, like exactly. Say, credit where it's due, but I think, you know... Looking at the bigger picture, I think it was always a very appointment that was I think obviously had we appointed a new manager and then we'd had this start I think a lot of the fans would be sort of scapegoating the whole thing saying well he's done so well why has he not been given the chance but then again there's no doubt that he is an inexperienced manager and when perhaps we have the how do I say this about standard bad the most probably least talented squad we've had in a fair few years since don't think there's many ways you can say that without sounding bad to be fair mate (laughs) yeah you know what I mean I think potentially are the only way certainly after the first three games I was thinking oh, the only way we can I can see us doing well is if we end up you know with a new manager potentially more experienced can get the best out of the group but you know we've had seven points from nine games looking at the bigger picture and I'm certainly far from in the Frankie McAvoy out section of section of the fan base now but I think these next five games will certainly give us a test of where we're at and where he's at in terms of having the job I think this is one of the questions will be asked and they will have to come up with the answer yeah without I think we've got there were lots a lot more sturdy and um, compact the last few games as well it's kind of sorted that area out whether Pat coming back in has, has helped that out I don't know but don't we look more like because yeah. Yeah, last the games before then we looked all over the place in some of them and I think we, we look like a proper team again now going back to what the end of last season and this season I think it's not only dead rubber games but I think you've got to take into the fact as well that the whole new manager bounce thing and then it was kind of expected that we'd get a few wins. Well, not expected, but in hindsight, you think, well, you know, you get a new manager in, you hopefully get that new manager bounce. I think I think, I think, think you are right. I think, you know, a new, new man comes in and maybe lightens the mood around the place a bit. And I think to an extent, you do expect an uptick. You know, maybe not wins, but better performances, couple of draws. Um, but as well, we if we hadn't have won a game from Frankie's start, to the end of the season, we still wouldn't have been relegated with the points that we, we were on when Alex left. Not saying that getting Ale- rid of Alex was the wrong thing. Because um, I do think it felt like his time at the club had just run its course. Um, but yeah, mathematically, we wouldn't have been relegated. It's tricky though, isn't it? Because you look at Frankie McAvoy's first game, if Brad, you talk about momentum, mate, really lacks the. The keyword I've used for the end of last season for us was momentum. We picked up a few positive results and, you know, suddenly it's less toxic on Twitter. The players are probably enjoying themselves more. But if, you know, if Brad Potts doesn't have a shot deflected in in the 95th minute against Norwich, which was our only real proper effort that game, suddenly it's a completely different story. You lose to Norwich, potentially don't go and get that victory against Swansea. You have the heavy defeat to Brentford and suddenly it all looks completely different. It's fine yeah. margins. Well, that's what football's I mean, a game of, game of it. Well, exactly, yeah. West Brom prediction. 
one one. Positive. Uh, I'm going two 0 defeat. Callum Robinson brace. Oh, just to rub it in. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna go two one defeat. I think we'll go one up, and then think an ex player will score against us. One of the five. Well, good Sam chances. Johnson. Good chances there, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not Sam Johnston, unless he does a one us, which I can't see. <laughs> Um, yeah, boys, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, then uh, we can wrap episode seven up. No, nothing for me, mate. Just thanks a lot for having me on. Been a no, pleasure. mate, we'll have you back on. Definitely have you back on. As far oh, as I'd babies go, I've, uh, I've been impressed. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Jimmy's, Jimmy's obviously away for a few weeks. I think he'll probably be back mid-October sometime, maybe after the international break in October, I'm not sure. So, yeah, it'll be definitely be me and Adam for the foreseeable, and Sam will probably well, ro- rotate you with, with a couple of others as well. So Yeah, I'll come on whatever. It's been a pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Grand. Cheers, mate. And Adam, as always, thank you very much, pal. No problem, mate. Brill. And, yeah, thank you, listener, for listening to episode seven of the From the Finney podcast. Not a bad start, given our previous starts after international breaks. It's a point on the board and, and a clean sheet. So smash and grab a bit too harsh, you think, boys? It's not, it's not even the right thing because we've not smashed or grabbed anything. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on that, on that note, cheers, boys. Thank you very much. <laughs>